privilege of witnessing these parents dedicating their children to the Lord. And there were a number of questions that were asked, if you were listening attentively. And one of those questions was this. Will you be responsible to bring your child regularly to the house of God and teach your child reverence to the Lord and respect for his house and worship? We say that not just out of tradition or just some kind of legalism, but the church family is a great help and resource in instilling Christian values that parents are seeking to instill within their their children. Questions were asked such as, will you teach your child? One of the blessings of the church family is to have a graded Sunday school program that is very helpful in assisting parents and teaching their children the word of God. Another question is, will you encourage your child to memorize portions of scripture? And of course, we have an Embark program that's intended to do just that. It has been thoughtfully presented to think about the verses that would be most helpful to to learn and uh, to memorize and then provide an incentive for children to to do that and not just an incentive that's uh, an end of, of itself, but also provides an opportunity for them to go to Victory Valley Camp, among other things, and to be further instructed in the things of God. The church is intended to be of great spiritual benefit to one another. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is directing remarks to believers who have been going through very difficult times. They have been suffering for having placed their faith in Christ. They have experienced abandonment by their fellow Jews, friends, and family. They have adopted beliefs that stand in stark contrast to everything that they had been taught from a youth up. And they have adopted religious practices that are devoid of the pomp and circumstance of the temple worship and the whole sacrificial system. Life for them had changed dramatically. And in some ways, it had changed for the worse. They had known a lot of hardship as a result of placing their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the result was that some of them were beginning to waver in their commitment to Christ in general and a tendency to abandon public worship in particular. In light of those tendencies, the writer of Hebrews sets forth three exhortations. The first exhortation is to avail ourselves of Christ's help through public worship and prayer. It's found in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The exhortation is to be fully convinced of what we believe and practice. Be fully convinced in your own mind. Be persuaded that when you come into the presence of God, you are accepted. You don't need to bring a sacrifice. You have a sacrifice in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) Excuse me. Be persuaded. The second exhortation is to maintain our faith and witness for Christ steadfastly. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Notice verse 22, it was let us draw near. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. 
We're not to back down in identifying with Christ or his people. Which brings us to the third exhortation. And that is to continue to come together for worship. Considering how we can spur one another on to greater love and good deeds. It's found in verses 24 and 25. With the words, verse 24. Let us, this time, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That we can be a help to one another in these dubious and difficult days. It is this third exhortation that we're going to be focusing on this morning, for it has one of our, one another references in it, and that's verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. This exhortation is first given to us in a positive sense what we are to do, And that is found in verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another into love and good deeds. Negatively stated, what we're not to do, found in verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. And then a positive reinforcement given to us at the end of verse 25. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So with that outline, we begin verses 24 and 25 positively stated, what are we to do? Answer, we are to give thoughtful reflection as to how we can motivate and excite each other to showing love and manifest good deeds. We're to give thoughtful reflection. It says in verse 24, let us consider. Let us consider. We hear a lot today about intentionality, of doing Things with a purpose. Having an intention behind what we do. Not just acting out of habit or tradition, but knowing why we do what we do and then purposing to achieve that end or goal. It is the intentionality that is being addressed in verse 24. Let us consider. Let us stop and reflect. Ponder. Muse, strategize. Think about ways of implementation of what? Verse 24. How to stir up one another to love and good works. To stir up one another. Usually translated as provoke one another. Now we usually think of the word provoke in a negative connotation. We usually think of that in terms of stirring people up in a bad sense. Of getting people upset. Getting people upset. Knowing what buttons to push to get somebody angry. Here, the idea is just the opposite of that. That is, how we can be a positive influence in the life of someone else to know what button to push, not to get them angered, but to get them excited in a good sense, excited about the things of God, and excited about loving one another and doing good deeds. We're called upon to be a positive influence in the life of one another as we come together. We're to reflect on that. We're to stop and consider, how can I stir someone up, provoke them, incite them to love 
one another and to do good works. We are to prepare our hearts and minds for coming to worship. I don't know what you think of when you think about preparing your hearts and mind to come for worship. Maybe that means I'm going to be solemn or I'm going to be quiet or I'm going to be still and I'm going to listen to the word of God. Well, all of that is good. But in this particular verse, it's talking about us considering, thinking about preparing our hearts and minds that when we gather, we stir one another up unto love and good works. To, to think ahead of this gathering together. So part of my preparing for worship is to stop and say to myself, when I get to church, what am I going to talk about? Who am I going to talk to? Am I going to search someone out? Is, is there someone that I know that is going through a, a difficult time and, and, I, and I really should just say to them, I'm praying for you, or I'm thinking about you, or, or how's it going? Or there is a great event that's just taking place. We've, we've had two weddings in, in two weeks. We think about families that are here, and they have their children that, that have just uh, married. Think about the conversations you can have with, with those people, and about how you're praying for them. We have three couples that dedicated their children to the Lord. You think about campfire tonight. If they're there, what, what you can say to them? You know, as a Sunday school teacher, uh, thinking about, uh, I'm looking forward to the time uh, that I have uh, Madison in my Sunday school class. I'll be praying for her. You know, as you, as you think about what can you say or do to try to encourage one another unto love and good works, to intentionally contemplate how can I make this worship experience more Meaningful. How will I interact with one another? Motivate, excite, stimulate, promote love and good deeds. Be an example to one another. Positively reinforce the good decisions and hard work that other people have done. Tonight we have a campfire. Search out who builds the campfire. Thank them for coming early this afternoon and uh, putting that campfire together and building it. The people that have been making the food, the people that have been purchasing it, buying it, thanking them for their work, setting up the tables, all the things that are done. And not just the campfire, but as you think about, about the church life in general, how can you encourage people to hang in there? We appreciate what you're doing. You've taught Sunday school for 40 years. What a commitment. You've been on the board of elders. For 40 years, thank you for your service. Thank you for the time that you've given. Uh, hope that you'll continue to serve. You know, what do we do to try to stir up love and good deeds? How do we promote that in our midst? Negatively stated, what we are not to do. Answer, We are not to quit meeting together as a people of God. Verse 25, it says, not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together. A failure to meet together is a failure to be concerned about my absence and how that affects others, not just myself. I think there's a tendency when people are absent from 
the life of the church to think about, well, I better be careful because that might have a negative impact on me. I better, I better be careful that uh, you know, I, I, I don't just begin to wander away and you know, it's easy for one Sunday to slip into two Sundays, into three Sundays and four Sundays. I better guard my own heart and life. While all that is true and all that is good, I think there's a, a tendency to, to not ask the question, how does my absence affect somebody else? How does my not being here negatively affect another individual? It says that we are not to neglect. That word to neglect is, is to forsake, abandon, or desert. The failure of assembling ourselves together is a demonstration of selfish individualism. We, we talked a few weeks ago about the purpose of the church being one, how we cannot uh, fulfill the mandates of loving one another, etc., on our own, that we have to be a part of a group. Well, that same thought rears its head again in this particular passage. And it's interesting, the attempts to translate, which is a very difficult phrase to translate. If you look at Hebrews 10.25, ESV translates this phrase, not neglecting to meet together. NAS translates this, not forsaking our own assembling together. NIV, not giving up meeting together. Hebrews 10.25, King James, probably the most accurate, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's wordy. Assembling of ourselves together. What does that mean? Well, it boils down to gathering, but there's a, a, a beautiful word picture here. The idea is that we are assembling the body of Christ. We are coming together as a body of Christ. We are putting the body of Christ together. When I think of assembling, I think of when I was a boy. And uh, I'd buy models. And I'd buy model cars. And I always looked for ones that said, some assembly required. Because I didn't want to do a whole lot of work. I, I was not ever a person that liked working with my hands. I've never been fastidious. I didn't want something that had 200 parts in it. I wanted something that had six parts that I could snap together. But the idea was that there was some assembly required. This thing wasn't going to look like a complete car until I put the whole thing together. Then it's going to be a car. That's the imagery of this assembling of yourselves together. It's more than just coming together. It's coming together in such a way that the body of Christ is complete. There's nothing worse than working on a project that isn't complete. I'm thinking about the frustration. Have you ever bought a puzzle at a yard sale? You know, this 1,000-piece puzzle at the yard sale that you work on for six days, putting this popcorn piece together, okay, painstakingly, only to find out that you're missing two pieces. That's agony. You You spend all this work, and there are two pieces missing. 
That's the imagery of this aspect of assembling, gathering ourselves together. To, for the whole body of Christ to come together so that there's not a piece missing. That if it's a thousand piece puzzle, the thousand pieces are there. That there is not this glaring hole, this, this lack that is going to exist. You get to 1 Corinthians, you know, the 12 passage in the body of Christ. If the eye can't, can't do the hearing, the, earing, hear, the hearing can't do the seeing. And, and there's that imagery of the body of Christ. You need every part. Well, this one is just simply, if you don't have everyone there, you're missing out on something. Their absence is powerful. Powerful. So we are to assemble ourselves Together, we are to build the body of Christ in our coming together. See, now it has a little different picture. Now I think of the erector set. And you're assembling the erector set. You're, you're building something with a purpose, with an aim. You know, uh, anybody, how many had erector sets when you were little? Well, I'm showing my age. Okay. Ten of you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Maybe Legos. Legos? Do you, can you build anything with Legos? Can you make them work? Connects. They can move. Can you raise elevators or something with? Okay. See, we need a young preacher up here that has, that has uh, these modern... Uh, okay, Legos. That's the, that's the illustration we want, people. Legos, okay? And you can put the Legos together, and evidently they can move. And they can move up and down and do things. That's the imagery here, that we come together as a body of Christ, assembling, not just to be a picture, but to do something. To do something. And in this particular instance, it is to love one another, And to encourage one another to that love and good deeds. We're coming together in order to sustain each other. The church was in trouble in the book of Hebrews. People were wavering. People were struggling with their faith. They were wondering about what they had been taught. Was it indeed true? It went against everything that they had learned from their youth up about Judaism. Now they were turning their back on that. Now worship was looking so much different than what it had. Before they were offering sacrifices. Now they're told they don't need a sacrifice. Before they told that the Holy of Holies was this incredible place. Now they're told that there's a spiritual Holy of Holies that we enter into by prayer. And as they were hearing all these things, they were wondering, is this true? And then there was hardship and difficulty and persecution. And so the scripture says that they began to neglect meeting together Verse 25, as the habit of some is, as the custom of some was. It was becoming regular now that people were dropping out. For fear? For indifference? For apathy? For whatever the case may be, they they were failing to continue on with their public worship of God. 
The admonition is don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't let that continue. But rather, come together. Which brings us to this positive reinforcement in verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. The word to encourage here is literally to come alongside. It's a compound Greek word, parakaleo, which means to come alongside. It means to, to be next to. To be next to. It's a word picture. On the one hand, we have people that are forsaking coming together. Don't do that. Don't forsake to come together, but encourage one another by literally being next to that person. Being there for them, we might say. You know? Think about that imagery and how many times just the physical presence of another person can be a comfort to you. Sitting by a bedside. Sitting by a bedside. Not to embarrass our brother, but uh, Shirley Hostetter was in the hospital. And uh, she went in my uh, Thursday night, was it? Uh, anyway, she went into the hospital, uh, saw her that night, and went back the next morning. And I saw Ellis there in a the recliner, and he had a blanket over him. And I said, brother, I said, you stay here all night? He said, yes. Okay. Why did he stay all night? Show love, care, concern, support, just being there. Being there. There are a lot of times when just sitting next to someone can be an encouragement. Or running alongside someone. You uh, see coaches standing uh, on a football sideline, you know, and the uh, runner is coming up the sideline. You'll see the, the coach run alongside him for about six steps saying, you can do it, you can do it, come on, come on. Or, uh, and and they just five or six steps, come on, come on, you can do it. Faster, faster, to be next to them, to be with them, to be around them, to be an encouragement to them. The idea here is that your presence would be that means of encouraging one another and of motivating them unto love and good works. How much more so, it says, as you see the day drawn near. The end of verse 25. The day is the day of the Lord's return. The day of judgment. And all that is associated with that day. We've been talking about that day uh, Sunday nights as we've been working through Matthew 24. A lot of perilous times are going to be ahead on that day in which judgment is coming. On that day in which persecution is going to be rampant. Uh, there's a thought here to the Hebrews. You think things are bad now. You haven't seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. And the idea is, the worse it gets, the more you need to be together. The more difficult it comes, the more that we have to work at being alongside of each other. 
That is true, not just in times of persecution, but whenever there is societal or religious pressure not to meet. If ever we live in a day and age where there is pressure on us not to meet, I think it's today. It's not persecution. Time constraints. Family constraints. Work constraints. Health constraints. Many good things, actually. Many legitimate reasons. But there is this huge pressure that's on us to forsake assembling together for worship. And compounded with that is a thought that that's not even really necessary or that's not important. This is a passage saying, well, that's important. That's important. And let me just say to you, it's not just important that you gather together for worship. It's important that you know the people you're gathering together to worship with. God never intended us to gather together in huge assemblies in which you didn't know the other people. And your absence wasn't missed. You know, some people actually prefer to be in a church where their absence isn't going to be missed. Because then they're not going to be accountable. Let me tell you, there's something precious about being in a situation where you're missed. Where somebody's concerned. Legitimately so. Now, I'm not talking about judgmentalism. I'm not going there. And that's not what this passage is about. This is not about judging one another for not being there. It's about concern for one another. Okay? It's about, you know, I haven't seen somebody for a month or so. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder if they're sick. I wonder if they're struggling with something. Just picking up a phone and calling them and saying, you know, I haven't seen you. I'm not trying to get on your case or anything, but I've just been concerned. You okay? Everything all right? thinking about how we can encourage one another, stimulate one another in times of hardship, frustration, sickness, problems, and maybe joys. Maybe it's good things that are keeping us away. But thinking about how we can be influential in the lives of people. Bringing the puzzle together. So in conclusion, first, let us consider. Let us stop and think. Take some time this afternoon and just say to yourself, when we come to this campfire service tonight, it's more than just eating hot dogs. It's more than just eating ice cream. Okay? When we first put this together 30 years ago, the idea was that we wanted to have something that would be memorable that little children would look forward to, that they would think about 
on a yearly basis. We wanted something annual that the kids would remember, that, that memories would be created. Think about campfires in the past kind of thing. And then just not memories, but memories that are associated with people, people that were here, people that were involved, people that you knew, people that you invited, people that you shared your life with. And tonight, as, as you gather, to, to think about not just talking to the same person I always talk to, because you can talk to them outside, but think about the person that you're not going to see again. Or you're not going to see them outside of the church setting. Think about talking to that person. Trying to know what's going on in their life. They wanting to know what's going on in your life. Thinking through, how can I make the most of this opportunity to encourage one another in the faith? Expressing an appreciation for what they've done. A prayer they've offered. An example they have set. Simply in their, in their faithfulness. You know, you, you look around this church and there are people that have been so faithful to this congregation for decades and decades. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister, for your commitment to this, this body and, and what that's meant. You know, I can remember you being my kindergarten Sunday school teacher. I can appreciate these things about you. Thinking about how we can stir one another up to love and good deeds. We need each other. Who but us is going to encourage us in the things of God? Chances are when you go to work, you're not going to hear things that are going to encourage you in your, church, in your work and things of God. If you go to a secular school, you're not going to hear it. You know, once you get away from God's people, there is so little positive reinforcement for our family's commitments that we desperately need that from one another. And that's what our worship is to produce. Our worship is to give us confidence in our acceptance with God. That's the first exhortation. Our worship is to give us boldness to identify with Jesus Christ and his people. That's the second exhortation. And then the one we looked at this morning, the third exhortation is that our worship should promote our Exhorting one another to love and good works. That encouragement by assembling together. Putting together the body of Christ so that it can effectually serve God. May God grant us that kind of worship. May God grant us a wonderful fellowship tonight in our campfire service. Let's pray. Our Father... We thank you for the Spirit of Christ who has regenerated us, who has saved us, who has baptized us into the body of Christ.
who has brought us together as a people of God. I thank you, O God, that in your sovereignty that you chose each one who has placed their faith and trust in you. You had a reason, you had a purpose. They fulfill your picture. They fulfill your puzzle. O Lord, help us to be mindful that when even one person is not present, the puzzle lacks. The beauty is marred. The fellowship is hindered. The oneness is not achieved in the way it is when we all come together. I pray, O Lord, that in our gathering together, it would be purposeful, it would be intentional, it would be meaningful. That, Lord, we would focus not just on ourselves and what we got out of the service, but we'd focus on one another. And how has that been a benefit to my brother, to my sister? Lord, help us to be intentional. Help us to reflect. Help us to use our prayer sheets that we have from Wednesday night to think about what people are going through, to read over it, pray for it, and then come the following Sunday and say, you know, I continued to pray for that need that you brought up on Wednesday night. How's it going? Lord, may we be purposeful. May we be intentional in our dialogues with one another. May it be authentic. May it be genuine. May it be real. May it not be put on or or synthetic, but out of a real love for God and a love for one another. Uh, Lord, may we learn better how we might be an encouragement and help to, to each other. Thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for our church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for what they are doing. Oh, Lord, help us to encourage one another to continue on with our good deeds and our love for you and for one another. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.